This is Anna Falcon, and you're listening to the Flip by Her podcast. I'm a teacher, a real estate investor, a business owner, and a mom of three. Join me as I share my journey in hopes to inspire you to live the life you envision. In this space, I'll teach you everything I know about real estate investing, the good, the bad, the in-between, and how do I find success in this male-dominated field. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get started. All right, guys, welcome back. So this is episode four. And on my last episode, I taught you guys about my first buy and hold property, which turned into a total flipping nightmare. At the end of it, I was able to make out okay. But this property, you guys, literally taught me everything about nightmare tenants, how important it is to properly vet your tenants, how important it is to make sure that you can afford whatever debt you incur as a result of tenants not paying rent. What is your plan B if they mess up your house? What is your plan C if you don't have the money to fix plan B? I mean, just everything. So nightmare tenants, here we go. On my first house, on my Marlboro house, I rented to a young couple I posted, I don't even know which way to tell you the mistakes that I made. So I'm going to just use like arbitrary things here. But basically mistake number one, maybe, (laughs) was posting the house for rent on Facebook Marketplace. I would say that that's probably mistake number one. I posted the house for rent on Facebook Marketplace. That was awful. I should have used Zillow or, you know, I should have used something a little bit more reputable to get a better caliber quality tenant. So Facebook, don't go suing me. Okay, freedom of speech here. Um, So yeah, that was mistake number one, how I found the tenants. Okay, mistake number one. Mistake number two is leading with your heart, being overly emotional about business related things. Okay, It's, it's important, of course, to show some type of emotion as a landlord, but also it's very important not to lead with that. I know it's difficult as a woman, all of you ladies listening in, it's very difficult to separate our emotions from what should be black and white. And I get better at that with every deal and business that I do, whatever the business may be. I led with my emotions. It was this young couple They were extremely excited about getting their own place. I think the girl was like 20 years old and the, the, her boyfriend was like 21 or 22, something like that. And they had this brand new baby. The baby was like one. I can't, I'm not going to use their names. Obviously I probably shouldn't use their names, but really, you know, young Caucasian couple, uh, they didn't make a lot of money. Um, I think he worked in some body shop or doing some trucking work or something. And she, I don't think she worked. I think she was a stay at home mom. And if she did work, it was like a part time. And I think she said she was trying to go to school or something. I can't, I vaguely remember this was back in 2019. I rented to this couple. I was really excited about them and for them. Um, because I was a teen mom and I remembered when I got my first apartment and how excited I felt to get my own place and how grateful I felt to have found a landlord to take a chance on me, you know, give me the keys as opposed to everyone else, you know, they believed in me. So I was so, you know, just grateful for that. And then 
I wanted to see that in these tenants and I wanted them to be excited that the landlord took a chance on them. And that's that emotion piece. <laughs> Don't lead with that. So I rented to these kids and I didn't properly vet them. I didn't do a background check. I didn't do a credit check. I did check their employment. I didn't ask for references. Some of you listening in, you're probably mumbling under your breath. Oh, you're such an idiot. Okay, I'm teaching you what I now know. Okay, guys. So before the hate mail comes in, I'm telling you what I didn't do to teach you what I now know. Okay, so we all make mistakes. So these are some of the mistakes that I made. Um, I didn't properly vet them. I should have, as some of you know, run their background check, see if they have any criminal history. I should have run their credit to see if they pay their debt. Okay. I don't look too much at credit score. I, my properties are not in a or B class neighborhoods. Okay. The community that I serve and the people that I serve, they are low income people. Okay. They're low socioeconomic status. They have, um, issues that just like we all have issues. Okay. They have their own set of issues that they deal with. So I'm not a landlord that requires a 650 credit score or higher to rent a house. I'm not that landlord, but you can pull their credit reporting. You can see if number one, they could afford the rent and number two, do they pay their bills? Okay. Because sometimes you have a very high DTI, a DTI is debt to income ratio. So sometimes you have a lot of debt and that lowers your credit score. So that's why I don't do the numbers game because I'm an investor. I'm well off and my credit score sometimes only hovers around 650, 660 because I have to take on so much debt for my business. So I don't look at credit scores, but I should have looked at least what was on that report, but because they were so young, what could possibly be a, a, on that report at 20 years old? What could there be a $500 credit card, a $700 credit? There's not going to be much. Okay. So I didn't find there a need to run their, their credit report. And I didn't really care about their credit score anyway, for the reasons I already alluded to. So I didn't do that. Um, I did check their employment and he was gainfully employed and I got their pay stubs and you know, yes, the pay stubs were there and I was able, they showed me a snapshot of their checking account. So yeah, that was fine. Like they could totally afford the rent and I was happy about that. And so I, that's what I went with. Had COVID not come, I don't know, would they have paid the rent? I don't know because there were, there were signs before COVID came. I remember them telling me in December that they were having issues that they were going to move out. Basically they were having marital problems, uh, and they were going to split. So they were going to break up and I knew she couldn't afford the rent by herself. So when she told me about, you know, that they were going to move out, I said, yeah, that's fine. Let's, you know, I'll break your contract. I'm not going to charge you to break the contract. I'd rather do it that way than to hold than to penalize people. If you have good communication with your landlord, your landlord shouldn't be penalizing you folks. Okay. These are humans. All right. And we are in the service industry, regardless how you feel about that. 
Uh, we're in the service center. We are doing a public service here. You are providing housing for people. And there's way too many slumlords, like too many of y'all. Nobody listening to me today is a slumlord. But there's too many people out there like you fail to realize that this is a public service. Uh, and you're just in it for the wrong reasons. So they said, Anna, you know, we need to break the contract, not in those words. And I said, yeah, that's fine. You know, we'll break the contract. There's not going to be a, a penalty, you know. Just tell me when you're going to move out. You need to let me show the house so that there's a continuity of rent. And as long as you let me show the house, when I show it, I'll let you know, clean it up. Don't have it be messy in here when I'm showing it to somebody else. And that's that. You know, I'm not going to penalize you for anything, not to break the contract. I'm not going to pay you. Uh, I'm not going to force you to pay the remaining months that are I'm not doing all that okay I'm not that type of person I'm not the type of business owner and I'm not that type of landlord so I'm not because I treat people the way that I want to be treated and if I come to my landlord and I say you know miss uh so and so I'm gonna have to move out I'm so sorry you know can you work with me I expect for that person to be human and to say yeah Anna no problem I can work with you so that's what I do I still to do that to this day okay that's not going to change so these people came to me in December they said, you know, we want to move out. I said, okay, fine. I didn't want them to move out, duh. But I said, okay, fine. Then January comes and, you know, of course, we're finding out about this, uh, pe you know, pending doom of the pandemic. Uh, and then February comes around and, you know, of course, everybody is walking on eggshells. You guys remember what that was like. They did pay rent in February. They didn't end up moving out like they said they would. March comes around, and by this time, I'm noticing things, lots of red flags. And I said to myself, ugh, these people are going to stay in this house, and they're not going to pay rent. And they're going to take advantage of this COVID nonsense, and they're not going to pay rent. And that is exactly what they did, exactly to the T what they did. So by this time, I'm messaging back and forth with them. I'm talking to them. They're changing their number. They're ghosting me. Um, they have an attitude with me and I said, you guys said that you were going to move out. Well, by this time I'd already shown the house and I already had a family lined up. Okay. They'd already given me a deposit to move in. And these people are ghosting me like, no, now you need to go because you said you were going to move out and now you need to move out. Like you said, you would, you need to keep your word. Like I like to keep mine. So I'd already shown the house. I'm already spending time and energy on this and now all of a sudden they don't want to move out because there's all this word of people are staying in their houses and landlords can't kick them out and so of course with the family i had to meet with them again give them back their deposit because these people wouldn't move out and the courts are not even they're not even in session like the court was not even taking cases okay everything was frozen and i was screwed so at this point, we don't have a positive relationship anymore. They are completely ghosting me. They, they don't, and there's nothing I can do that would have been legal. If I'd gone to my house and I'd changed the locks and I'd put them out on the street, that is illegal. We cannot do that. Okay. I would have gotten into trouble and I'm not into doing illegal things. So I couldn't do that. I couldn't just show up, you know, my mom or somebody said, go over there and change the locks. And I was like, I cannot do that, even though I really wanted to. Yeah, they stayed in the house. I couldn't recover possession till September. And when I recovered possession, the house was destroyed. I mean, destroyed and disgusting, just 
dirty diapers, dog poop everywhere, rotted ste- uh, steaks because they were, I guess they would feed there. They had like a pit bull mix of some sort, big ass dog they had. And that was another thing that I, <sighs> at first I said no pets, but I really just do not like animals and rental properties. I really dislike it. And I told them no pets, but they had this brand new puppy. And they said, if, you know, we'll give you a pet deposit, please, this, that, and the other, whatever. They practically begged. So I said, okay. So I collected a $200 pet deposit from them. Funny enough, they wanted that back. (laughs) Yeah, right. I collected a $200 pet deposit and I saw that the girl was really clean and everything. Every time I went to the property to check on it, it always smelled clean in there. It always looked good in there. So, you know, I said, yeah, there's no issues here. And so they had this pet. That was another mistake. I should have said no. And I should have put my foot down no on the animal. Because if they didn't have an animal in there, I would have not found a quarter of the things that I found related to the animal. There was urine underneath the laminate flooring. Um, Laminate is not the best choice, as some of you might know. It's not the best choice for rental properties. But I had to put that because I couldn't afford any other flooring that was decent enough and I refused to put carpet in my houses so I put this 50 cent square foot laminate down and it looked good you know and I mean you can clean it easily this dog apparently they let the dog poop and pee all over the place so of course some of the laminate flooring uh, was already kind of swelling up with urine and you know fecal matter and stuff so I had to rip all that floor up and then I installed vinyl plank for the flip. That was pretty disgusting. Uh, You know, there was hair everywhere. I mean, it was just, it was nasty. It was so bad. Nightmare story. Um, So found these people, Facebook Marketplace, that was a mistake. Rented to them without fully vetting them, that was a mistake. Uh, You know, leading my business with my emotions and my empathy, that was a mistake. I did go to check on the property at least once a month. So that's really good. Those of you out there listening, you know, how to be a landlord 101 or what to do as a landlord, you definitely want to go to your property, at least drive by it, even if you don't go inside. Usually when there's issues inside, you can tell that there's issues inside based on how the outside looks. So at the very minimum, drive by your property. If you don't live near your property, send someone for you. Um, Most of you, if you don't live near your property, you probably have property management company anyways. So, you know, you definitely want to check on your property. Don't just ignore it for months and months and months at a time because that's issues arise and they can be very bad very quickly. So go check on your property. That is one of the good things that I did was I went to check. Another good thing that I did is I did try to work with these people. It's better when you try to work with them than to be spiteful or try to be vengeful or try to get over on someone. If the tenant told me three weeks before rent was due that she knew for a fact they were going to be late on rent, I was appreciative that she had that proactive attitude and that proactive uh, communication and said to her, okay, thank you for letting me know. This is the date you're going to pay me. This is how much you're going to pay me. I'm not going to assess a late fee. So that communication piece is really important. That's one of the good things that I did do in that deal that I learned from that deal as well. The eviction process, this is, was a very special case. 
But one of the things that I learned that also was a nightmare is navigating the court system. There are states that are worse than North Carolina for landlords. There are tenant-friendly states and there are landlord-friendly states. I would say North Carolina is pretty moderate to uh, more landlord-friendly, but still, it's it's not easy navigating through the courts. And honestly, that is so stressful. And I suffer from anxiety. So every time that I had to go to court for something for this house, for, for these tenants, I mean, it was, I wouldn't sleep. I would just be physically sick, you know, just physically ill. And uh, that's another thing that I learned uh, as a result of this deal is you guys have to have your paperwork in order. You have to keep good logs of everything. If your tenant is paying you ca uh, rent in cash, you need to write them a receipt. You need to have a ledger. When you go in front of a judge and you have a ledger and you have your file folder or whatever you have and everything is in order, that judge is most likely going to rule in your favor. But if you go up there and you're not prepared and all your stuff is a hot mess and you don't have a lease and you don't have this and you know, that judge is going to throw out your case. And every time they throw your case out, that's more money down the drain on your behalf. I did win in trial, you know, in September, actually in July, but I couldn't recover until September with the sheriff. And that cost me several hundred dollars, plus all the damages. They didn't pay a dime, okay? Basically, they have an eviction on their record, but they are not obligated to pay anything. I could have later hired a credit collection company and put that stuff on their credit, or I could have gone back to court to like civil court, for example, and sued them for all of the damages. But again, what is that going to get me? It's going to get me nothing. It doesn't guarantee that these people are going to pay you for the damages that they did to your property. So the way that I do things is that I don't want to deal with the headache of having to go through something that is not going to guarantee me any results. So I just didn't even bother. Okay. And I was already dealing with my own things and, you know, we're in the middle of this full fledged pandemic and I'm already going through, you know, stuff as everyone else is and grief and loss and all the other feelings that we were going through. So I wasn't going to bother trying to sue these people for the damages. And so I left that alone. Um, sometimes you just have to pick your battles. Okay. So that wasn't a battle that I was willing to pick. So I left it alone. Some of you, you pick it and that's okay. Good for you. If you, if you're able to recover any of your losses, that's excellent. You know, more power to you. Um, but it's not something that I was willing to do. That's another nightmare, you know, that I, that I incurred after the eviction, I projected a rehab cost of $15,000. I actually spent a little over $20,000 and with, I factored also the time that it took me to do the bulk of this work. So I know for a fact in, in cash, I spent up to $20,000. And then on my time, because my time is valuable. So my projected costs were just shy of $30,000 to get this house flipped and sold, which is not bad. I still made out okay. I made 100% return on investment. So I'm okay. I made out great. Um, but that, that was a nightmare dealing with those tenants. And I learned so much from that very first deal, that inception house. And I took those lessons and today I don't have not even a quarter of those issues. Cause now I know just from this one deal and dealing with these nightmare 
tenants, you know, busting out windows and threatening that they're going to kill me and all this extra drama. I mean, it was just endless drama from the moment that they said that they changed their mind on moving out. You know, it was just nightmare after nightmare after nightmare. The worst part, I think, was definitely finding my house in shambles the way that I did. That was the worst part. And because you you want to see the good in people. I always see the good in people. I choose to see the best out of everyone. And I lead with that. And sometimes that causes great heartache. And, you know, it just really it takes a, it's a huge blow. It's a huge blow. So learn from my mistakes as you move forward with your rental properties or your headache tenants or your excellent tenants. Not all of them are bad. If you do what you're supposed to do, you will have no bad tenants. That is all for today. If you want to write in, please email me, message me, go on my Facebook page, write me messages. I want to learn about you and your tenants or what questions you have regarding vetting tenants. Let me know. See you soon. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to go out there and kick ass. For some of you, that might just mean that you're going to get out of your own head. You're going to put your goals on paper and you're going to take a step today. No dejes para mañana lo que puedes hacer hoy. Don't leave it for tomorrow. Do it today. Lastly, I encourage you to follow me on my Facebook page at Flip by Her or go on my website, flippedbyher.com. Send me your messages. What questions do you have that I might feature on a next episode? See you soon.